Good morning. Welcome to the Celtic Way Morning Briefing Live. It's Monday, November the 14th. We're all on cloud nine. I believe that's what you call it these days. Me and Sean are matchy matchy as well with the colours. <laughs> but there you have it. I'm Tony Haggerty, at a Haggerty 10 Twitter handle. You know that. And I'm joined today by Sean Martin at Sean Martin TCW. And once again, three amigos have assembled again. We are joined by Aidan McDonald at Aidan C. McDonald. Good morning, gentlemen. How are we? Not bad, Tony. I see Aidan didn't get the memo about the light he green. He didn't get the memo about the light green. No, he certainly did. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Uh, we'll get you 100 lines, Aidan, for that and write them out and signed by both parents uh, in by <laughs> a close of play. Uh, there we have it. Now, first things first, we direct you to the ticker tape running along the bottom. You know what I'm going to say, but hey, Thank you to everybody who's subscribed so far. If you want to subscribe to the Celtic Way and support top quality journalism covering the club you love, it's only a pound for two months of full access to everything that's written on the website. You'll enjoy some of the stuff on there, some hard-hitting columns, big interviews, all your stats and data analysis. It's all there, something for everybody. Just hit the button, guys, www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. It's as simple as easy as that. It's as simple as easy as officiating a Celtic game, isn't it, Sean? Or maybe it isn't. <laughs> we'll come to that, won't we, guys? No Sell doubt. Will, now, will. we'll start with the big positive. I said we're all on cloud nine. Sean and Aidan, Celtic stretched their lead to nine points at the top of the Scottish Premiership with a 2-1 win over Ross County. It was a thoroughly deserved 2-1 win, Sean, in mm-hmm. the end up. But yes, Celtic uh, played well in spells and I think they, they were worthy of that win. Didn't you think so? Aye, uh, I think so. Aye. First half was a wee bit stodgy. Uh, second half, a lot better. And we'll come to individuals, but by an inspired Real Hatate in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, think, I think you're right. I think they were, they were very good value for the 2-1 2-1 was a lot closer than... Probably what it otherwise would have been. We'll come to the penalty, but that was that was Ross County's only real chance. They had one header apart from that uh, penalty, and and apart from that, were totally and utterly nullified creatively. They never had any other shots on goal. Um, so two one, I suppose does the mark is Celtic get the three points, but it was it looks closer than what it was. I um, yeah. Aidan, Sean mentioned Real Hatate involved in both goals. Real Hatate nine. He was on my uh, yeah. uh, player ratings. I I think he thoroughly deserved that. But two cracking goals, nevertheless, set up by Rio Tate, dispatched by David Turnbull and Said uh, Haksabanovic. Were you impressed by all of those performances, Aidan? Yeah, I thought, thought overall Celtic were more deserved winners. Hatate was excellent. Uh, not even just his assists and that, some of his touches and passes throughout the game were superb and that was probably one of his strongest performances uh, over the course, even though it was only 2-1, it, it could have been uh, a bit more of a wider scoreline, but I was also happy for them just to get the three points to be going into that break with now a, a nine-point lead. So over the course, yeah, important to just get the victory and not bad to be going into the break. That was the bonus, Sean. David Turnbull's mm-hmm. claimed the Celtic players didn't know the Rangers result before uh, they went out onto yeah. the park. You're not buying that quite a lot of people aren't buying that. I don't I don't know. I can't I can't <laughs> see it. But 
ultimately it didn't matter what the result was anyway, did it? I yeah. suppose because it was all about doing doing their own job and staying at least seven points clear. I did say to you last week, I fancied it'd be more than seven when they broke for the broke for the World Cup. I was kind of hoping it was ten. I'm not going to lie, but uh, I'll take nine. I'll take nine. Get it there. I don't think anybody can complain about that. Um, nah, I think uh, you kind of mentioned Tatati there. I did think he was he was the standout. I think I actually thought he played well in the first half as well. By the way, but the second half in particular, I thought it took it to another level. Um, I agree with everything that Aidan said there as well. Um, I think the the composure that he showed in the build up for Turnbull's goal. Yep. I mean, it was probably matched only by Turnbull's composure to finish it all <laughs> off, to be honest. I made about seven players in the box in the keeper uh, to actually stop, think, and, and just slot it under the keeper's legs. But um, I, I thought uh, Hatate was a standout, but there was other ones as well. Tony Haksabanovic, uh, don't know what you thought about him. Well, I do know what you thought about him, so I read your ratings. But <laughs> uh, ha- uh, Haksabanovic and for me, uh, Alexandro Bernabe, I thought he had a good game as well. Yeah, I thought David Turnbull's goal was a five a sides goal. It's what mm. you do at fives. Mm. You know, you just get the ball. Maybe you did fives. <laughs> and, well, and in my younger, more vulnerable days, yes, I kind of so I would slot them away there. Aiden, he's like la- Aiden's laughing. I did play football, you know, Aiden. You know, so, yeah, I know you're thinking, old man, you can't run the length of yourself, indeed. And, and I you thought you'd be right. <laughs> <laughs> you'd be right. Uh, I thought Haksabanovic's goal with it. Listen. To dig that out your feet and to produce that finish, the way it went in, it reminded me, remember, of Hooper's goal at Ibrooks mm-hmm. when he curled it, uh, just to kind of bend it he got in it. And it's what took it away from the goalkeeper. Because see if he connects with that and hits a sweet shot, keeper saving that. Nah, I like, I like that comparison. Uh, one of my favourite goals, that one. Yeah, yeah, just the way the bend on just took it away from the goalkeeper and, and it starts it starts wide and it comes it in. Comes in There's also an Alan Thompson one that done something similar. Yeah, as well. a brilliant yeah, piece of skill, yeah. Sean. You know, and to actually have the, you know, to think like that because he's got what, split second, to dig it out of his feet and produce that that kind of composure, Aiden. I thought it was brilliant. Raymond Hansen, great foot movement from Tumble for the goals. I thought great foot movement for the two goals, Aiden, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it was a really good finish under uh, quite a bit of pressure as well. And Haksabanovic, the fact he was already playing really well since he came in, but now he's adding goals to his games even better. And overall, given the month the fee that was apparently paid as well, it looks like a really, really positive signing and another good option to have in the forward positions. So, yeah, overall, the goal was excellent. The build up play was really good, and Haksabanovic finish was superb. Sean Stewart Ross has done a piece on the website. Yes, he has. I was going to say, David Ferguson says, Can we discuss what an absolute steal (laughs) Haksabanovic is? We certainly can, David. We certainly can, because up on the site today, I'll just put a link. It's it's in the description, but I'll put it in the comments as well. Um, It was another impactful game from him. We've got a tactical, or a detailed, sorry, not a tactical, a detailed breakdown. Uh, of his start to life at Parkhead from Stuart Ross up on the site today. Uh, let me just say, guys, it excites me no end reading it, <laughs> um, especially coming on the back of you, your uh, piece on him last week, Tony, yep. uh, your opinion piece saying that Scottish football is not quite ready for this. Um, this guy, uh, Stuart, basically has taken that notion and flew with it right into the data, right into the, the, the ins and outs and stuff. And I mean, the eye test, it already tells us he's a player. Yes. But the underlying stuff just reinforces that there's going to be more to come from him. And frankly, that's a wonderful thought. Indeed, indeed. Now, we've gone eight minutes and we've not mentioned the white elephant in the room, Aidan, but it has to be confronted, doesn't it? 
like top officials and mm-hmm. performances. And uh, yeah, Aidan, your yeah. thoughts on the refereeing display on Saturday without going studs up, or you can go studs up if you want. What was your your overall or overarching takeaway from that? I thought it was quite poor. Uh, <laughs> performance at times. It is not even, yes. Yeah, euphemism is yes indeed. <laughs> not even not even just the, the penalty, uh, just some of the, the decisions were well <laughs> they were left a bit to be desired anyways, what I'll say. And overall, uh, it didn't affect the outcome of the game, but that, it wasn't it wasn't the best refereeing performance I've ever seen. <laughs> Sean, that was very diplomatic, Aidan. Very Aiden diplomatic. Yeah, Aiden struggling for words here. Inexplicable, uh, I think, some of those decisions. Now, you're uh, a lover of IFAB. I wouldn't say I'm a lover, but I'm certainly a, a keen customer these days. I, um, I IFAB is ABFAB because it explains uh, the rules, and it, it, it certainly digs uh, people at home. But it explains I mean, the rules, but. Only, yeah. if read the, only if you read the rules, Tony. Yeah. <laughs> it's a um, prerequisite for referees to know the rules, uh, Sean. And when, um, they're, when they're out in a, in a parking, uh, I just thought some of those decisions on Saturday beggared belief. I wrote uh, the piece saying it was rank rotten refereeing. And, uh, it was know, rank rotten refereeing. Not uh, going to stop Celtic. And Matt O'Reilly nailed them to the wall. <laughs> he did, aye. Um, he, he certainly did. Aye. He was not happy. You could tell he just by looking at him, he wasn't happy. Um, yep. I mean, I suppose to Coglu, even after it was uh, still quite diplomatic in a way, but yeah. still um, still made it clear that he's, he's just not happy with this. And he also later on kind of said, listen, he'll leave it to, to the likes of, uh, well, presumably he's talking about Michael Nicholson and stuff, but I um, not, not even after it, Sean, during at half time, mm-hmm. he walked towards the referee and he was having a word. And Ange Postacoglu has never done that as a mm-hmm. Celtic manager. So if you can rile Ange Postacoglu Aiden in 45 minutes, where at half time you're walking down the tunnel and he wants a word, you know, right. he's quite a mild mannered janitor when it comes to calling <laughs> out officials and you know he doesn't he doesn't single them out, he doesn't name them, he, he hates talking about that. He's he's said it before, but he followed David Monroe up the tunnel or he certainly motioned towards him and was speaking to him as the official went down the tunnel and no wonder. Because the first half performance, beggar belief, will come to some of the decisions, Sean, because you've got the IFAB stuff up there. <laughs> of course, of course I have, I of course I no have. Agent, but when Ange Postacog was talking to a referee at half time, you know that there's something amiss, is there not? Yeah, that, that kind of probably just showcased how much of a poor performance it was from the referee overall and in the first half, just like you mentioned there, Tony. And you can see Ange is starting to get frustrated with that. It's not even about VAR at times, which I know we will discuss it, but just some of the some of the officiating in recent games, it's been nothing even though really we do with VAR has been quite poor. So you can see the manager starting to get a bit frustrated with it because it's obviously leading to games breaking down a bit. And a massive part of Celtic's game is moving the ball quickly, which you're not really able to do. The game's getting stopped every every kind of phase of play almost, it feels at times. So, yeah, I can probably understand why the manager was frustrated and the fact that's starting to happen probably does demonstrate that things haven't been getting refereed to the high standard recently. Sean, any yeah. attitude doesn't even begin to cover it, does it? 
Uh, nah, no, I thought that was one of the one of the poorest refereeing or officiating displays because it wasn't obviously just the referee. There yeah, was the yeah. Guardian Anderson as well, but uh, I one of the worst officiating displays I've I've seen. It was just it was just full of errors. Like it was just it, the, yeah, frankly, yeah. It looked, frankly they looked out their depth. The, the officials yeah. really, um, which again comes back to I'll bring up the IFAB stuff in a minute because um, we've obviously not got time to go through every single questionable, baffling or just downright wrong decision, but we can we can always chat about a few. But um it comes back to me to the what I was saying the other day to you guys, you've got to be seen to be robust with these things. You've got to be yeah. if, if you're going to roll it out, that's what I suppose the Coggle said the other day, don't roll it out if you're not ready to use it properly. But sure. a lot of that comes down to the the order in which it's been rolled out. There's no it's not full time referees yet. They've rolled it out midway through a season. Yes, there will be teething problems, and I said that from the very first match that was going to be, that that phrase was going to be used, whether or not it was teething issues with the technology, whether it was just problems with the referee's interpretation, that kind of thing, which is what it's been the last few weeks. Um, what I would say is watching some of the other games in the Premiership, it is a, it seems to me a refereeing problem. It doesn't seem to me as if it's a VAR issue necessarily. It's more uh, the operation of VAR and the the, the officials just in general. Because it was games, the Livingston Hearts game as well. I mean, yeah, so some we, of the decisions over the weekend and over the last few weeks, we've obviously been concentrating on the Celtic ones because that's what we're here to do. And Celtic have had some shockers um, yeah. against them. But just in general, it seems to be, it just seems to be all over the Premiership just now since then. It's just that, that they're just not getting to grips with it, that quite a lot of the officials seem out of their depth. Now, to get the IFA, I mean, what one do you want to start with, Tony? Um, the weekend, I mean, we start with... We well, could start then. with that early on. Remember, Matt O'Reilly's clean oh, distance really high up the park. And uh, early in the first off. half, pulled back, prevented at least a shot, if not a goal. But I suppose for me, there's a few of them commenting about this in the in the comments just now. Ross Laidlaw holding the ball, Tony, putting oh. it down, and then picking it up again when he saw Kyogo closing in on him. Remember, the ref hadn't blown for anything. There wasn't a foul. It was just play. Um, and then David Monroe deciding after that that rather than going by the IFAB rules and awarding an indirect free kick to Celtic in the box, he just, I don't know, make his own um, and just let, let County play on with it. I mean, yeah, I, I suppose IFAB PDF number one here, isn't it? Um, yeah, go on. Fuck it up. Because it's a ridiculous decision. I mean, I, I was pretty sure. I was like, ah, not unless they've changed this, but so I looked up, as I always do, threw it on Twitter um, for the masses to dissect and I, it was just it was just wrong. There was, there's no other way to put it. He just did. He either did not know or he just forgot. I don't know. It was wrong. It was the wrong decision, Tony. Um, you don't know what will happen in indirect free kick, but it almost doesn't matter what will happen with it. If it should have been given, it should have been given. Um, so, aye, as you can see, here, an indirect free kick is awarded if a goalkeeper inside the penalty area commits any of the following offences. And the one that, that will draw your attention to um, is the second one. So, touches the ball with her hand or arm after releasing it. Uh, but before it has touched another player, that, I mean, is that not exactly what happened? <laughs> Should the referee not be in a position to know exactly what happens in that? It, it doesn't seem that bizarre a, an occurrence, if you know what I mean. Yes. So, again, you don't know what would have happened when indirect free kick, but it doesn't really matter to me what would have happened. It's it's more, sh- should he not know? Should he not know that's the rule? I mean, Kyogo seemed to know that was the rule. <laughs> so, Aiden. Your thoughts on that? I mean, it's it's as clear as day, and it's there in black and white. David Monroe should know that rule, surely. Yeah, he should. Somebody who's been obviously refereeing for a, a period of time should be well aware of the rules, because 
to be blunt about it, that's their job to enforce the rules. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, that was a one of the kind of many poor moments, and that was why we first started talking about it. It wasn't even the VAR aspect for me because obviously that occurred in the second half. The fact that uh, Andrew was keen to sort of speak to the referee at half time shows that there was plenty of moments where just basic refereeing was not being followed, which is, yeah, it is a bit frustrating, to be honest. And I I, I don't really know what they can do to try and resolve that because with VAR, at least you can say, oh, well, there is a bed in period, but when it's basic refereeing decisions and they're not being followed, then, yeah, it's frustrating as a fan and I imagine it's frustrating for the players as well. And oh, that reference incoming, Sean. I hope he's a good singer because he refereed like Matt Monroe. <laughs> so, uh, all the older crowd will understand that. A um, couple of comments about this one before we move on, Sean. I'll just point out basically, like I said that there was no foul, so there was no reason to kind of even get involved beyond just saying, Listen, you've picked it up again, it's an indirect free kick. Look, yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> basically, uh, <laughs> Kyogo, Kyogo's face was a picture, he was just like, Well, is that is yeah. it not the rule? So, and um, I think Turnbull and Matt O'Reilly ran towards him and were explaining. Aye, there was a few of them that Kyogo was yeah. the one closing them down as if, like, listen, I've done it, I, I, I've got, I've, I've trapped him here. How is this not being, uh, how is this not being ruled? But, mm-hmm. um, aye, so that, that was PDF number one, I suppose. I'd also posted that on Twitter. The other yeah. one that kind of got people in it, to be fair, this I, I really didn't know this, um, was late in the first half. Oh, by the way, just before we move on from that one. Because uh, somebody commented saying, was he not in control of the ball? That kind of thing. So a keeper is in control of the ball. Um, and then it's, it's there, basically. The ball's between his hands, between his hands and the surface, or by touching it with any part of the, the hand or the arms. Um, basically, he's like, somebody, somebody commented, what was it again, saying, so technically is he not in control of it when he bounces it? And basically, no, he is considered in control of it when he bounces it. But anyway, um, so the other one, Tony... One of the other ones was uh, late late at the end of the first half, yep. and Haksabanovic was penalised for a foul. Yes, um, he trod on Callum Johnson's did, foot, uh-huh. and Johnson went down and received medical treatment. Uh, so I genuinely didn't really know what the rules were for that. Now, um, turns out they've been changed not long ago. So IFAB says previously, when an injured player received medical attention, they had to go off. They had to go off at the side. And then they would come back on when the referee deemed it possible. Um, but they realised that if you were fouling a player so that they had to go off and get medical treatment, you were getting an advantage because you've got one fewer player to compete against, that kind of thing. So they, they try to get a happy medium where they said if it was a result of unsporting, like physical contact, foul, basically, um, then the player can get medical treatment in a timely manner and can just stay on the part rather than the offenders team getting an advantage by him going off, that kind of thing. But what it says on this, and I didn't know this part, was um, IFAB decided that only for a physical offence, which it was obviously, but where the opponent is cautioned or sent off, an injured player can be quickly assessed and treated and then remain on the field of play. Now, when I watched this game back, Tony, I didn't think he got booked at the time, Haksabanovic, but when I watched it back for the data roundup, um, I had Celtic TV on and both commentators... We're, in, we're adamant that he get booked, right? So I'm going, right, if, well, if he get booked, the referee made the right decision. But I can't see anywhere else saying he got booked. I don't think he got booked. So that, to me, suggests that it was the wrong decision, that he should have been made to go off and then come back on. And obviously, later on, uh, was it Yakimakis? Uh, yes. With that incident and stuff, yeah. he was off, and, and I, I think that was the right decision, because I don't think the guy got booked, did he? I don't think he did, no. So that, that would have been right. So that's just to clear that one up, but 
I was very, very confused whether it, whether Haxabanovich got booked or not. So and also as well the Maurice Maurice Gents incident where oh. he failed to stop the play for the head knocks right away. Mm -hmm. And obviously Maurice Gents has suffered because of that and he's ended up having to go off as a result of that. Yes. But that uh, that should have been stopped right away. That was a nasty clash of heads. I agree with you, definitely. A hundred percent, Tony. I think it was a it was a shambles actually. That yeah. And I would be interested to hear Chris Sutton's view on it because he is very, very vocal about uh, concussion protocol in football. Um very outspoken about it. Uh, specifically with the FA down south, who if you ever listen to Chris Sutton, he he basically thinks they just don't listen to him about it. Yes. Um, up here, I think he'd be. I think he'd be affronted by that decision, Without not to just immediately stop it, but also the the, the, the protocol after it just isn't there <laughs> for concussion. He did have to go off with it. He had yes. to go off with it. He tried. He tried to struggle on with it. It just can't. It can't. It can't be allowed. It cannot be allowed. Um, you can't leave it in the player's hands either, because a player's yeah. going to go. Most of the time, a player will go. No, I'm fine. I can play. I can play. It needs to be taken out of their hands at some point, whether that's a concussion sub as Chris Sutton calls for, or um. Or simply the medical staff just saying, no, you are not staying on whether you want it or not, that kind of thing. Um, but in terms of the referee's role in it, Tony, I totally agree with you. He's got to stop it right away. And the linesman, he was he was right next right to next it. Next to Saw it, no reaction whatsoever. So, um, Aiden, that's a concussion there. Yeah, Aiden, that's a concussion that Moritz Jens has suffered from there and has had to go off because of it. As Sean just said there, you're endangering safety of footballers. A referee has a duty to protect, also officiate, but also a duty to protect players when these things happen. That should be the first thing on your radar when something like that happens. Clash of heads, stop the play, even if there's an, it turns out that there's nothing wrong with either player. Safety first at all times, especially, as Sean pointed out, the likes of Chris Sutton and others are advocating now that head knocks have caused all sorts moving forward as players get older, heading footballs and stuff like that, and you know, headering opponents and cracks in the head, stuff like that. So I, I can't for life me fathom why David Monroe never stopped to play there. Yeah, that that was probably the worst one of the lot for me, really. I know obviously the penalty was frustrating, but that's that's endangering the players there. Um, not being able to stop it when it's a clear head knock is one of the most obvious sort of things in football that goes back like, a, a period of time. Do you know what Boys I mean? Club it, stuff, Boys club it's, stuff, It's a, a basic thing, and uh, hopefully he ends is okay. Uh, obviously, mm -hmm. when you see somebody having a head knock like that, and then they try and continue to play, and then he goes down, you could see in the sort of footage when he was going off that he looked quite confused and dizzy. Uh, obviously, it was a lot more serious than that with a concussion, but just from an actual visual standpoint, that's what it looked like. And yeah, that that was that was quite a poor decision. And, Hopefully that is something we don't see again, really, because that would start to become a real worry. And yeah, not to repeat myself, I think that was probably the one that concerned me the most in terms of the decisions, because that's just really poor and putting athletes at risk, to be honest. Yeah. Now, we've not even spoken about the penalty incident, Sean, but yep. I'm sure well, you'll flick I'll up throw it to you first, Tony. I will throw it to you first, but... I'll put this comment up, um, regular viewer Mahash Raja saying, O'Reilly Sam's above 7 o'clock when the ball hit, hit it, so the penalty was the correct decision. Now, not to come across cheater then, but I don't see 7 o'clock mentioned anywhere in the IFAB rules, Tony. Um, just nope. an unnatural position. So, what's yeah. your interpretation of it? I'll put it up on the screen again. It's a bit small, sorry for that. but 
Yeah, I, I, I thought the penalty was an incredulous decision because first and foremost, I'm not convinced he was actually in the box either. I think it was in the box. But, so uh, if he's in the box, then so be it. I, I can see why it's given, but yeah. there's, there's the rules. His hand, he said himself, where is he meant to put his hands? It was kind of by his side, wasn't it? And the ball's bounced up, mm-hmm. hasn't it? And it, there's nothing he can do about that. You know, it's not deliberate. You know, it's it's it's, it's accidental, isn't it? Mm-hmm. A touch off the arm, but I mean, he's not made himself big. It's not he's not put his arm in an unnatural position, and uh, I just uh, I couldn't believe it. As soon as the Ross County players claimed for it, I thought this could go to VAR, and I knew as soon as it went to VAR that it, it was going to be a penalty against Celtic. I just I just felt that it was going to happen, and and even on watching many replays, I just think wow. I can't. I mean, Michael Stewart was incandescent about it, wasn't he? <laughs> he, he, uh, was, he called it the worst one. The worst yeah, one. The yeah. worst one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have to I agree like. with him. If that's a penalty, then where are we going with this? And then you you alluded to the the Hearts Motherwell game. There's a decision in that where a penalty wasn't given. Well, the ball clearly strikes the player's arm, and you, you just ask yourself why. Why are some now deemed penalties and some not? I, I I just can't get my head around it. Looking at the other games, it seems quite a lot of the time they are just going to go with the old interpretation of if it hits it, it's a penalty, which is not which is not the which is not the rule. I know I know I've put the it's an offence deliberate touches ball blah blah blah, but right above that in the first introductory paragraph, it literally says not every touch of the hand is a foul. Um, yeah. Now. I think it was in the box. I think like half his body was out, but I think that when it hits his hand, it was in the box. But that doesn't make it a penalty. Was it, was it in an unnatural position? Ignoring the kind of 7pm thing, again, I don't know where that's come from, but ignoring that part, was it an unnatural position? Not for me. Um, <laughs> not for me. But it goes back to this notion again, though, of robustness, of being seen yep. to be being robust and knowing the rules and all that kind of stuff. So... It's no wonder he was absolutely raging after it. Uh, Matt O'Reilly was livid, um, and you could tell. Yeah. Aidan, are we getting back to, as Sean said, if it hits your hand, it's a penalty? It seems like it, uh, except in that Hearts game, obviously, uh, with Forrest's <laughs> one. But, yeah, it does seem like that is the case, and obviously that's not the correct interpretation of the rules. And, yeah, it's just... A poor, a poor refereeing moment there, and hopefully something else we don't see again this season. Or as, uh, as sorry, Tony, as Edward uh, of Oz says, an arm is only in an unnatural position if it is dislocated or severed. Which kind of goes back to Joe Hart's comment. Remember after the Real Madrid game, um, did he want to chop his arms off? That kind of thing. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's uh, suffice to say it's been a VAR spectacular since it came in, Tony. We, we've been sitting here yeah, I mean, what, twice I've, a week? Twice a week since it came in. Um been five games involving Celtic yeah. since VAR came in and five times we've had to address VAR decisions yeah. uh, that, that have gone again, gone against Celtic and that's what we do. We watch Celtic games but as you rightly pointed out, it was a weekend of shockers for referees for all different clubs nah. and they uh, I I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I've, I've I've always said that. 
and I've, all, I've always said you don't want uh, favours, you want fairness in your officiating. Mm. That's all you can ask for. But I just think Saturday, and I agree with you, Sean, Saturday was arguably, now I'm 15 of the people that are older than me who talk about refereeing decisions from the past, but it's certainly up there with one of the worst refereeing displays I've seen mm-hmm. in, in terms of applying the rules. Aye, no, I agree with you. I think it was application of the rules. Now, and uh, I, I just it, it, it really, it was staggering. I mean, I was texting you off, off air, or what's happening, saying Aye. I genuinely can't believe that the referee's done that. And you know, and and I get back to, I think if you rail Ange with your refereeing display, you know, you're you're going something, Aiden. Mm. You really are going something. Because he, he genuinely he, he doesn't get involved, but he felt he had to get involved on Saturday. So it's just that I I, uh, I think it's it's it was just a dreadful display of officiating by David Monroe and as you said, Sean, by the VAR uh, mm-hmm. referee Ewan Anderson. Even the two of them together were as incompetent as each other. Yeah, both of them did not have a good afternoon at all. And- some of the some of the decisions were just I don't I admire Aiden's restraint, Tony, because I can <laughs> feel it as palpable here. <laughs> Covered pretty much all of them, but they were just uh it was just, just so frustrating. And this was my sort of thing. I know it wasn't all VAR, a lot of it was just to sort of poor interpretation of the rules, but my whole kind of thing with VAR coming in was just disrupting the four games. Aye. This is what I thought it was going to do. And I, I can probably understand it, the arguments for it. You know, you don't want to be left behind because at the end of the day, the majority of the time, it does always get the right decision. Obviously, with that matter, everyone, it was very debatable. It probably did get the wrong decision. But on over the course, it does usually get get things right. But, yeah, just I, I can probably understand why Ange was the way he was at, at half time, And no doubt, probably even if we didn't see it fully at full time as well. Because just slowing the games down so much. I mean, it's starting to feel like you're getting an extra 5, 10, 15 minutes added on to games. Yeah, I suppose the benefit of that, Tony, is gets you, it lets you have an extra wee few minutes to get your detailed player ratings down to yeah. your team. It? But, <laughs> um, but no, I agree with you, Aidan. I think like, Ange Postacol has mentioned it a few times. That is, apart from the actual decisions, if they're wrong, obviously, uh, that part of it, but just in general, that um, delay of the game and stuff, Ange's mentioned that before, that that is going to be the biggest impact on Celtic because of the way that he wants Celtic to play, the intensity that he wants to keep up, the, the quick throw-ins, not letting the opponents get a breather, all that kind of stuff. A five-minute VAR decision, a VAR check, gives them that breather and also o- o- almost takes it back off of Celtic, the effort that they've put in there. So I get your point, I agree with it. Guys are saying, I've calmed down, Aidan, you're raging. <laughs> I think you've been remarkably restrained today, Aidan. I think you've been quite cool, calm and collected. I think a lot um, of Celtic supporters were life raging at that display on Saturday, and yeah, but the silver lining on it all was the fact that they won the football match, and that's what they set out to do. And Celtic are nine points clear at the top of the Scottish Premiership, going into a break for the World Cup, and that's yep. all you could ask for, Sean. And speaking that of that, it. I don't know if anybody caught Jackson Irvin turning up for the Socceroos. Camp with a Mark Viduka retro jersey on. No, I didn't. Was it the, what jersey was it? With the black and green? No. Uh, no, it was the uh, the, the hoops. 
yes, uh, he's got Viduka on the back. He's turned up to the actual official meet yeah. with the soccer yeah. squad, yeah. And somebody asked him uh, what was at the top, and he was like, classic, mate, it's a classic. <laughs> and uh, so you check it out on footage, there you go. But, nice uh, um, no, Tony, you're right. Ultimately, the, the big takeaway is nine points clear with 14 wins from 15 matches, the last seven of which, remember, yes. have been without Callum McGregor. Um, so what can you say except Bravo Celtic, I suppose, in that regard? Yeah, and they made it nine wins in a row, Aiden, domestically. Yep. On Saturday, bowed out on a high. They're going to the Sydney Super Cup. Uh, Angie's homecoming. It should be a, a wonderful event. And as Sean said, Dale, guys like Callum McGregor will be back in the squad when Celtic come back. And that's something to look forward to. And usually they get bigger and better and stronger, as the manager says. Yeah, and if you look over the course of... Since they started sort of reintroducing winter breaks, I know obviously this is a wee bit earlier, with the exception of obviously the disappointing COVID season a few years ago, Celtic always come back relatively strong after uh, the breaks, even if they've been a wee bit poor before uh, the sort of two week or three week shutdown or whatever, they always usually are absolutely flying after it, like January, February, March time, or in this case, obviously including some of December as well. So, yeah, that is definitely something to look forward to. And, in terms of the league, the team's in probably a better position than anybody could have hoped for at this stage. So, yeah, it's all positive from a domestic standpoint. Tony, you, they're not the only people going to Sydney, are they? So, no, I'm trying to contain my excitement. Our attention turns to the Sydney Super Cup as well as Celtics. Um, yes. Tony, as I said, on Friday or Thursday, Tony will be on tour as of tomorrow. Um You'll still occasionally, uh, regularly appear on a briefing from Down Under, Tony. Of um, course, so yes. You should stay tuned in for that, but oh, also yeah. get on the website. I'll turn up. Yes. Also get on the website because Tony will be filing columns, features, he'll have his diary from Down Under as well, uh, as well as covering the actual games, uh, among other things. Might even be a couple of tour videos in there as well, Tony. Innit? Um, you excited? excited to go? I don't know what buttons to press, yes. There'll be videos and stuff like that. You know, me. I'll try to... Contain the excitement in terms of it's going to be like Carol Pilkington, an idiot abroad. You know what I mean? That, that'll be your old dad here, but we'll, we'll work it out. We'll get there. And oh, can't wait. It'll be, I think it'll be very spectacular. So there you go. Do you still sign autographs? <laughs> Only on request. I'm very humble that way. I just, when people ask to, to sign autographs, I always get a question why. But uh, a couple of people had their book signed and stuff like that. So yeah. I'd... Andrew, just make sure you know that that means you're on at 9 p.m. in the evening when you're over there, Tony. Yes. We 20 minutes. We 20 I'll, minutes with us. I'll be. I'll be well briefed on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's if I wake up because I'm told jet lag's a killer and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I'll I'll deal with it. But yeah, can't wait. It should be great fun and uh, looking forward to yeah talking to you guys from the other side somewhere. It's like I've I've never travelled this far in my life, so I'll uh, I'll report back with my findings at some point. So there you have it. Safe flight. Thank you very much, David. Appreciate that. Uh, There's always it. time for a wardrobe comment, Tony. Yeah, indeed, indeed. I've not packed at all. I've, uh, I need to. Oof. Thanks, Helen. Uh, but I mean, I kind of know what I'm taking, but uh, there you go. Uh, enjoy, big man. Thanks very much, Jerry. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. And as I say, if you're out there in Sydney mm-hmm. and you see me around and about, come up and say hello and I'll say thank you. 
uh, for your for subscribing and watching the pods and all that. Nice to meet you in person, and uh, maybe even get you on the TikTok video, Sean, for a week and a why not? Couple, couple right, of seconds, not? and we'll we'll do a wee bit. Uh, but no, thanks very much. <laughs> you won't go home, says one van indeed. Yes, uh, Raymond Hadden. Sorry, Tony, just asking what is the the, the Scottish times of the kickoff. Uh, for the games in, in Australia, so the first one's eight forty-five a.m. Yeah, uh, and the second one is three forty-five a.m. Which, as I say, is in, in, in news pointed out when it get announced that it was changing, will give us all a wee bit of a, a taste of what it's like yes. uh, to follow Celtic from the other side of the world. Indeed. Except you, Tony. Of course, you'll be able to just swan along the middle of the yeah, afternoon. Yeah, so. Yes, I'll be. I'll be <laughs> sleepwalk along. Indeed. Yes, uh, there we have it. But yeah, so. Yeah, tomorrow it all starts, three o'clock in the morning. I'll be up to go to Glasgow and uh circuitous route, but Glasgow, Frankfurt, Frankfurt to Seoul, Seoul to Sydney. So get me there on Thursday, Aiden, about ten minutes before. Leslie Friday. knows all about going on a trip. Yes, thanks very much. I'm smiling, might not be smiling at some point later on, but uh, we'll get there. But no, thanks very much. Uh, appreciate it and I'll uh, yeah. We'll tune in and we'll see how the idiot abroad gets on, eh, Aidan? <laughs> I'm sure you'll be absolutely thriving over there, Tony. I've got no doubt about that. <laughs> That's one word for it, yes, indeed. But uh, yeah, tremendous stuff. But yeah, looking forward to that. So uh, I will. We will reconvene and yep. we'll, I'll talk to you from from down under. Well, next time you'll be on is going to be from from uh, down under, wouldn't it? The, yeah, uh, no wardrobe yeah. behind you. It's going to be. It's going to take yeah, some getting used to that. that. My, my, my camera might be affected, but maybe I'll do some feng shui in the room and get a wardrobe, you know, <laughs> sit beside it or something like that. But we'll see how it goes. But thanks, guys. Appreciate that. And uh, you guys will be back tomorrow and Wednesday, won't yeah. you, to preview the Sydney Super Cup because mm-hmm. uh, Celtic are taking part. And uh, that two game series, and everybody looking forward to that. The football goes on for Celtic and Angie's homecoming tour. And if you haven't already checked it out on the website, check out the interview that I did with the boy Sean yes. Devaney, who painted the mural of Ange in Melbourne. Cracking lad, Celtic uh, supporter, and yeah, uh, really good. He's He's going to the Sydney Super Cup, but he tells us all why he did it. And uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it was a good chat with him. Really enjoyed it. And you'll see some of his other murals there. He's a talented, talented boy, Sean. Yeah, we slideshow within that article I put in for you, Tony. It's, um, I think, five other five other uh, yep. pieces of work that he'd done. Some crackers in there. Um, it was an interesting tale. Interesting tale. Yeah. Engineer turned artist from Paisley. Paints a big Ange mural in South Melbourne. So, bye. Can't Give it a read. Right, Aidan, I'll see you at some point in the week, but thanks for your contribution. You kept it together there well, just uh, even though everybody yes. saying you're privately seething, but uh, <laughs> Celtic are still nine points ahead in the title race. Uh, they'll run their own race, as they say. Sean, thanks a lot. Always appreciate it. Top class. Thanks, and thank you to everybody for your comments. We'll speak to you soon. Take care. Nice one. Cheers, guys. Cheers.